Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. And that's it, it's over. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Dodgers have won it all in 2020. And Lightning has struck twice. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. Hello and welcome to episode number 51 of Four Future Considerations. I'm John Rashad. Big week this week. You can now dine in public again and cram right into restaurants and everything else. And two guys that I would love to be crammed into a restaurant with, my good friends, Manny and Matt join me. Hello, guys. How was your week? Rashad, pretty good. I hear Vlad uh, Guerrero Jr.'s home run in the the All-Star game is still going, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's landed yet. It may crash through the window of the restaurant we're sitting in. Now, I would only go to a restaurant if you if we could actually get some of the food. Like, uh, you don't you get the food first and then they run out. Right, right. That's typically what happens when the three of us go out. Hey, man, every man for himself elbows up. That's what I say. I know, that's why you sit on your own side of the booth. You show up, uh, like, the only guy that does, you show up in a restaurant, picture this, the three of us sit down, the waitress comes over, hey, my name is whatever, I'm excited to serve you, can I get you guys, yes! <laughs> I'm hungry, I'm in a restaurant, right? Where's my food? He's got, he's got the knife, and the, the steak knife and the fork, and he's just banging on the table. Rashad, she hasn't even brought the water yet. <laughs> It's embarrassing. So would you like to eat? Of course I'd like to eat him at a restaurant. This isn't a hair salon, right? I want some food. It's embarrassing. Uh, I can't wait to go out with you, John. I can't wait. I know, it's always embarrassing. A server comes over and asks if I want food. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. Sherlock, good investigation skills. (laughs) Good work, Nancy Drew. Yeah. (laughs) Plus, he's the only guy that tips the two digits past the decimal (laughs) in the bill. We just cranked that up to 101.75. Yes. That's great. <laughs> hey, it's a shame sh- pennies aren't still a thing. You'd be getting 76. Yeah. <laughs> He's the guy that you, you hear about that, that puts like $20 on the table in, in, uh, in ones. Okay, we're going to start at 20. And I'm just going to keep taking these off <laughs> as I have to wait for my meal. You do do that, John. <laughs> At an Arby's of all places. They have all the meats. <laughs> Where's my horsey sauce? That's going to cost you a buck. <laughs> Did I get a regular fry in my curly fries? <laughs> That's another dollar. Oh, thank uh, you for that. Uh, he brings a scale to make sure that it's a quarter pound burger. Counts the fries in there. <laughs> Oh, the milkshake machine's broken down, huh? Another dollar. <laughs> yeah, we can't wait, Rashad. Hey, My milkshake isn't milkshakey enough. One of our good listeners, Kevin, a big shout out to him, just had a baby boy. Leo James is his name. Leo? Leo. Leo, okay. Leo James. Eight pounds, 14 ounces. Ooh, that's a big that's baby. A tomahawk baby right there. And mom is doing fine. Good so for mom. Good for her. No, she's not. <laughs> <laughs> she is in pain. 
<laughs> oh man <laughs> just being alive is not fine <laughs> oh, she wants a divorce <laughs> <laughs> that's a big baby but i'm glad uh kevin and michelle and uh baby leo are doing leo. just fine yeah congratulations everybody yeah that's great and and always love hearing about our listeners and that sort of thing this episode also dedicated to my uncle joe out in bermuda we lost him this week after a tough, long battle with cancer. Mm-hmm. But he was one of those guys. Uh, he loved horse racing. So, Matt, you would have loved him, right? Uncle he, Joe, my goodness. He had horses. He owned horses. Did he really? Yeah. Owned horses. And uh, he he had horses to race, had horses to show. Oh, that's cool. Right? And uh, he introduced me to Black Bermuda Rum. So oh, he's Uncle always, Joe. He's always good in my books. God bless him. We're, so, we're sorry to lose him. What a resume that guy's got already. <laughs> he lived a great life. 80. For, I'd be fortunate enough to live that long. So uh, um, sorry to see him go. I will remember him every single day. And condolences to your family, Manny. Thank mm. you. Thank mm. you. I know he's listened to the show before, and I know he'll continue to listen as well upstairs. Great feedback once again from our debate show earlier this week. We talked about the All-Star Game, the Baseball Home Run Derby, Conor McGregor, the NBA Finals, and more. Great episode. And people loved our spelling bee attempts. In fact, we got a few people who want to challenge us at a sports spelling bee. Oh, all right. I'm into that. I'm into that. I'll do that. And you're going to do the chicken wing thing with with our other buddy. (laughs) With Rob? With Rob. Rob? Sean's going to eat the chicken wings with Rob and we'll do the sports spelling bee. I like it. Yeah, a deal. Yeah. If you didn't listen to episode 50, fun and excitement throughout. Go back and take a listen to that one. Other episodes as well with LA Kings uh, executive or former LA Kings executive Mike Futa. OHL players are getting ready to hear their names at the NHL draft, which is just getting closer and closer. Ethan Burroughs and Wyatt John were recent guests as well. We did have a special guest lined up to talk about the NHL draft on this episode of the OT, but they had to cancel at the last minute. So we will try to get them on next week on the OT. So stay tuned for that. What could be better than spending time with us? Come on. I know, right? Really? Priorities. Last minute cancellation. The last minute too. <laughs> they better be having an eight pound, 14 yeah. ounce baby. Yeah. Are they related to Leo? Because then I'll accept it. But other than that. <laughs> so I found a few extra topics for us to debate since we don't have a guest. So let's start with hockey. The score posted a great article now that the NHL season has come to an end. And we posted it on our social media accounts, podcast FFC on Twitter and for future considerations on facebook i wanted to ask you guys some of the questions so what was the biggest storyline in the nhl this season wow uh that's tough that is tough tough, right that is a tough question like you know my heart says the montreal canadians run to the stanley cup final Mm -hmm. the first canadian team to make it that far since the vancouver canucks right 10 years ago yeah that's right and, uh, of course, the Canadians hadn't been there since 1993. Yeah. But I got to think, you know, there was Tim Peel, right? Yeah. You know, somehow that get, gets forgotten, right? How he was getting the makeup call and that audio. It wasn't much, but I wanted to get a f- penalty yeah, against Nashville early in the... Slipped on the... For sure. Broadcast. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I got to think it's the Rangers Capitals... The melee, ball. right? Yeah. Yep. Here we go. Right off the, right the faceoff. Three fights simultaneously. Rooney and Dowd. 
DiGiuseppe going at it with Hathaway, Blackwell, and Haglin. One second in. But it, it, it's just the whole week of storylines, right? Like the fact that Tom Wilson threw on, on Terry Panarin's head to the ice, yep. to the $5,000 fine and no suspension, yep. to the $250,000 fine <laughs> to the Rangers, uh-huh. to the brawls that broke out the next game that they played, which was just a couple of days later, right? So that whole fiasco, that whole storyline is huge for me and had to be mm-hmm. the story of the year in the NHL. And then those Rangers executives who departed that week too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They got canned. That's right. Yeah. That's right. No, I mean, that was, uh, that, that team in general was, was a mess. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that, uh, I, I think that, and then I, I do think that part of it was for, for us and as, as Canadians sitting and watching hockey was starting to see fans return to the buildings. I think a big storyline, uh, for me at the, was right at the very end that they, we couldn't get past 3,500 people at the Bell Center, <laughs> but we could have 640,000 outside that they had a full arena in Tampa, you know, that it, it was a little bit coming back into the normalcy, but then seeing some of the the goofy stuff that we would still see, um, you know, just like in the Stanley Cup. I think another storyline too, and maybe John, this was going to be yours, but the fact that we had an all Canadian division this year Mm -hmm. under a pandemic for the first time that's ever happened in the NHL. um, I think that too was an interesting storyline in that fans in Canada watched their Canadian teams and really didn't know much about all the other teams in the NHL. Yeah, it's true. I that's what I watched. I watched almost exclusively Canadian games, and then I watched actually the odd Tampa game, and that was what caused me to pick them. But uh, yeah, I loved watching that North Division, and I know they say that it'll never happen; they'll never make that a permanent thing. But boy, oh boy, that was some fun hockey to watch, and I I really wish they would just give that a little bit of a look, just see if it's plausible. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's I think that's more than fair. And who would you guys say is your breakout player of the year? I think I know who you're going to pick. Is it your Noah's Trophy winning defenseman, Adam Fox? It's going to be. It's going to be Adam Fox, who wins the Norris Division, or the Norris Trophy, um, was outstanding for a a team that, as we've already mentioned, has a myriad of problems and and is one of the most disappointing teams that we saw this year. Uh, The games that I watched of him, I thought he was outstanding. I think he kind of represents what the next generation of defensemen are are going to look like. And and in that comparison, he beats Kale McCarr. He beats Victor Hedman for the Norris Trophy. I thought he was outstanding. And I don't want to give it to a rookie. I don't want to do like... Uh, Krill uh, uh, Kaprizov, Kaprizov. In, in Minnesota. So Adam Fox, to me, was outstanding. He's the only other guy that I really <clears throat> thought of, Kaprizov. Um, I think Nikolai Ellers, you know, uh, had a f- raised yep. a few people's eyebrows because sure of the year that he had. For but sure he did. I think you got to pick Adam Fox. Like, he had a really good rookie year last year, but to be that much better in his sophomore season in a pandemic, I think... And the fact that he won the Norris, I think you got to give it to him as the breakout player of the year. And who is your biggest surprise team and your most disappointing team this season? Um, I, for me, it's got to be Minnesota, right? The Minnesota Wild. I think they just came out of left field to, Mm -hmm. 
finish third in that West Division behind Colorado and Vegas. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody had them. I know Florida had a really good year, uh, the Florida Panthers, but I don't think anybody predicted the run by Minnesota. They're, they've got to be my more, biggest surprise. Um Biggest disappointment, um, uh, Calgary, Philly, they both made the playoffs last year and and sure. didn't make it this year. Yep. But I got to think what happened in Buffalo has got to be the most disappointing, right? You add Taylor Hall, yeah. you add Eric Stahl in the offseason, and you got worse. Mm-hmm. Like, I got to think that's most disappointing. I, I was going to say Florida as my my biggest surprise team, and and I've said this before, and and it was the reason that I gave Joel Quenville the Jack Adams Trophy when we were giving out the, the awards. Is they they always seemed like the team, and and maybe I, you know I'm wrong in looking at it, obviously, in, in this year as a result. But Florida, the Florida Panthers franchise was always just there but never really that good and but always kind of in the middle and in the mix and always kind of waiting for them to to kind of fall off and oh they'll get back to reality and I didn't watch a lot of their games I don't know a ton about them they're sitting in that second spot they were in first place for a good chunk of it they lose Aaron Ekblad they're still pretty darn good afterwards and they can now go down and say that they lost to the eventual Stanley Cup champions I thought they were a, a surprise just because they were able to let it run out an entire season and and still had a pretty good run after dealing with probably the biggest injury in the NHL this year when you lose a guy of that kind of value. Most disappointing team for me is the New York Rangers. And that comes to me from, you know, again, there was a lot of excitement with Capo Caco and there was a lot of excitement when when they when they rigged the draft and got Alex Lafreniere. <laughs> you know they've got all these good young goalies. They're really high on uh, all of the, the the coaching staff. The you know Jeff Gorton seemed to know what he was doing, uh, putting this team together. They've got Zabanajad. They've got Buchnevich. They've got some dangerous players on there. Adam Fox, as we mentioned, had an outstanding season, and they sucked all year long to the point where. Kako has not done anything in his yeah. NHL career. I get it's too early to jump to conclusions. Alex, Alexis Lafreniere was not impressive at all in his first run uh, as an NHL player. So to me, I was expecting the Rangers to make that playoffs uh, in that division, and they fell short, and they really were never that close, and then blew the whole thing up. That's a good call. Like um, The Rangers need to have a big year next year. Mm-hmm. Florida. What can they do after their surprise year, right? Like, can they build on that? That's what I'm most interested in. For sure. No, and I I think so. It's going to be interesting to see. What about you, John? Do the Vancouver Canucks fit anywhere in there? I expected them to be terrible, if you remember. With oh, the- yes. shocking. Yeah, the yep. pessimistic one, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. For me, I think uh, Buffalo was my biggest disappointment in the regular season, but the Leafs in the playoffs, everyone expected them to make some noise, and then... Montreal took care of them. For yeah, sure. that's a great call. Great pull there, John. <laughs> and uh, speaking of Montreal, they removed the interim tag from Dominique Ducharme, and he is now officially the club's 31st head coach in team history. The Ottawa Senators also hired Pierre Maguire from the broadcast booth to be their senior vice president of player development. Which team will regret their move? Uh, I, to me, this comes down to how much you're giving Pierre Maguire as far as... Uh, um, leeway or impact on that team. Um, Yes, there's probably nobody that has had more unfettered access to 
any NHL team or any player or anything. You know, the resume speaks for itself with Pierre Maguire. It's a tough move to go from between the benches to now the, like you said, the senior vice president of, of player development. I don't know that he's got development in his resume, the point where that to me means he's going to be working on all of these young and up and coming players getting better or is he going to be finding this kind of talent or is he going to be working with the minor league teams to develop it with their coaches like the title is very obscure so if he just plans on kind of hiding out there with Pierre Dorian who also seems to be a guy that's not really impactful in that franchise as much as you you, you like to believe um okay that's fine um, I don't know what you're going to do with him, but as far as Ducharme is concerned, you had to take the interim tag off that for sure. I, I'm concerned as an outsider that that was a miracle run and that he didn't really have his hands in that as much as we'd like to think. So I'm, I'm very cautious on both of them. I would think the one that is going to regret their move more likely would be Montreal because that's your head coach. So... I, I think he, the, the, there's a no-brainer that you had to get Ducharme the title. And for, for three sure. years, you're right, there may be a shot that it was just a magical run, but I still think that there's a strong core there with veterans, but their window is really tight. Yeah. Like, you're not going to have Price and Weber forever here. Yeah. Um, can Suzuki get better? Can Caulfield get better? Can Kaki and Yemi get better? What can you do? Can you re-sign Deneau, for mm-hmm. example? Can Romanoff take the next step, for example? So there are some questions with the Montreal Canadiens, but I think it's a no-brainer that you had to give Ducharme the head coaching job. So I don't think you regret that, even if it fails, right? Because he led you to the Stanley Cup final yeah. for the first time since 93. I do not understand how Pierre Maguire got a hockey job. The last time he held a hockey job, like a front office management job, yeah. was 1996. Mm-hmm. So we're this is 2021. We're talking 25 years ago, right? 25 years he's been an analyst or a color commentator or standing between the benches. Mm-hmm. What does he know about player development? He knows where the guy was born. He knows what he had for dinner before the game, right? What does he know about developing players? I I don't understand this. Like, we've had Mike Fuda on the show who knows way more about player development, I would argue. Maybe he just didn't want this role with the Ottawa Senators. Mm -hmm. I just don't understand how... Pierre Maguire got a hockey job. He's he's already walking back his comments about analytics. He was anti-analytics. Very much. And now he's saying, you know, he talks about how he'd rather have boots on the ground, right? And and finding players. And now he's saying analytics is part of it, right? Mm-hmm. But he was always anti-analytics before. Yeah. Um, when he was fired by Hartford. Uh, Who? Uh, yeah, yeah, Hartford. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was... He was coaching in Hartford, and he was in management in Hartford. That's how long ago this was. Yeah, uh-huh. he won a cup with the Penguins in 92. 92! Uh-huh. Like, they were, they were rejoicing in Hartford when this guy got let go. And now all he was a scout with the Sens in 94, 95, and he got canned out of that job. Uh-huh. And, like, it's been so long for him. I, 
I don't understand what Ottawa is doing. That's why I think they'll regret that. And the Minnesota Wild have also bought out the contracts of Zach Parise and Gary Suter. Smart move, or will they regret those moves? Uh, that, this to me makes no sense. For, for what they have to buy out and how long this has to be on the books. Like, I don't know much about the Minnesota Wild system. I don't think these two guys are holding back anybody. I don't think they're, that you're, you're preventing somebody from moving up in your system because Zach Parise is playing left wing on your third line in a little bit of power play. I don't, I don't know what you're giving up on them for. I mean, other than the fact that they've not been very good, sure. But that's a ton of money that you're just going to be eating, that you've just created dead money for, for no reason, really. It wasn't forced. This is just the team moving on from, from these two guys. And I feel like, to me, Zach Parise, I've always been a fan of Zach Parise. I like the way he plays. I like the way he's adjusted his game as he's gotten older. To me, he stands out as, when we're talking about this next year, is going to be the comeback player of the year or the breakout player of the year or the one that surprises us the most. I think if you end up putting him on a pretty good team, there's still a lot of value there that, that Minnesota's just kind of let go for free. Yeah, I look at this move as uh, they needed to do it because of the expansion draft with Seattle. Um, they needed to they needed to get rid of those two roster spots to protect other young players. Mm-hmm. So Seattle didn't grab them, um, and they saved ten point three million next year in the cap. They don't get much savings later, right? Because these guys were made, had so much money committed to them. Remember. 2012, these two guys signed 13-year deals worth $100 million. So to me, this is the definition of they got to take their lumps. They're going to take their lumps and count their losses and move on from there. I don't know why. I like Parise like you do Mm -hmm. as a player. He was getting healthy scratched near the end of the season. I don't understand that. I think if there's one guy who's going to be hungry to do something next year, I know he's 36, but I still think he's got some good hockey. I think it's Parise. For sure. Suter was playing 22 minutes a game. I think he can help somebody. I just think Minnesota had to do this move, and they did it now because of the draft. Baseball Commissioner Ron Manfred has said that seven-inning doubleheaders will soon end, and so too will the extra innings runner on second base. What do you guys think of those moves? So both of these moves were because of COVID and the way that we had to schedule it and that things were tight and, and all of that. I, that was the seven-inning doubleheader. To me, the runner on second base has always just been about speeding the game up and, and making the game more entertaining. So I'm, I like the, second, the runner on second base. I don't know why that has to go. I understand the seven-inning doubleheaders, but my, my question back is then what, you know, you can't just take these two away. What are we going to do now? Because if anything, these seven inning double headers made the games a little bit quicker, and the runner on second base made extra innings a little bit quicker. So baseball's problem has always been it's a little too long. You're getting rid of two things that were in theory trying to make this game quicker. How is that changing? And the thing that I don't like about this now is that it's coming out now because something this year is going to happen with a runner on second base and extra innings or seven inning double headers. And I feel like this is something that you don't have to say right now. You say it in the off season 
and it's a non-story. But I feel like something now is going to happen with this where everybody's going to like, well, two years ago, this wouldn't have mattered. And next year, it's not going to matter. But this is a huge deal. So the commish said this during his address at the All-Star game earlier this week. So I'm with you. Like, okay, the seven-inning doubleheaders, it was nice during COVID time. It was a pandemic baseball rule. Okay, you want to go back to nine innings. Sure. But you in particular, but all three of us have talked about the games being too long. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind the runner on second to start in extra innings. No. Because it's new too, right? Like, so what you're telling me is that you're getting rid of these two rules and you're going back to the way baseball has been played for 100 years now. Yeah. Where you need to find something modern, something more exciting, A, to get the fans involved, but B, to solve your overall problem of yes. the games being too long. Ultimately, in, in, in you saying that makes a good point. So you've taken those two things away to go back to the way that that the game was played. So ultimately, you doing this saying that there was nothing wrong with baseball before. Right. Because you've undone the two things that we did because of COVID, because of trying to... So you were okay with the way baseball was before, and baseball is not okay. So I don't get it. Are you ready? And now it's time to move on to rapid fire. Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff passed away this week at the age of 71. He was one of four men to main event at the first ever WrestleMania. And we have a listener question from Mike, who's a huge fan of wrestling. He wants to know if we watched wrestling back then and who was our favorite wrestler. Were you big into wrestling? Oh, I loved it when I was a kid. Yeah, I have the uh, first WrestleMania on VHS somewhere. Oh, really? We got to crack that open. Yeah, I bought it at the video store when they had it on clearance. It was five bucks. So bring that down to Windsor, because after we go to the restaurant and you stiff the waitress on the tip, (laughs) we're going to pop this VHS tape in and watch the first ever WrestleMania. Oh, and then we're going to get hammered and act it out. (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy Superfly Snooker. All three of them have concussions after hanging out. What the hell happened last night? <laughs> Why is the, the videos just paused at the anthem? <laughs> oh, man. So who was your favorite wrestler back in the day? Uh, Hulk Hogan was a favorite for sure. Uh, I guess back at uh, the very first WrestleMania, yeah, it would have been Hulk Hogan. And then later it became the Ultimate Warrior. Oh, the Ultimate Warrior. Okay. So I, I was big into wrestling back in the day too, when it, you know, when it was just getting popular in the Hogan days. Um, in fact, I had the dolls, you know, those stretchable oh, dolls yeah. and oh, stuff yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah. And um, uh, I even had the record. Do you remember the record that came out with all the wrestling music? I had the second one. Uh, Hulk Hogan was on the cover with a construction hat on with the WWF oh, logo. Right. <laughs> So I think the first one on the it was uh, Jimmy Hart was the one of the managers and Bobby Heen they were on the yes, cover with all the heavy. wrestlers. Yep. Anyway, I was a big fan of the huge guys like Andre the Giant, uh-huh. Big John Stud, uh, King Kong Bundy. King Kong Bundy, yeah. Yeah, the big guys, and then I loved I loved the Iron Sheik as a character. I thought that guy <laughs> as a character was amazing. Um, who is who is the Russian guy? That's who my dad always said. He said this guy is a great actor because you hate his guts and he's so believable. Uh, Nikolai Volkov. Yeah, Nikolai Volkov. He was the tag team partner with the Iron Sheik. 
Did you watch wrestling back in the day? Not a second. Not a, Not second. a second. So, so we're talking German to I you know, right now. I know the names. I okay. certainly know the names that okay. you're, you're. But I can tell you, I've I've not for a second watched a wrestling match. Like Roddy Roddy Piper was a oh. legend. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what I just found out? My wife just told me that he grew up in Winnipeg. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was a Winnipegger ham okay. and egg. Yeah, I had yeah. no idea until last night. Well, there you go. What wow. are you and your wife talking about wrestling on a Thursday night? <laughs> are you guys popping in the VHS tape? Oh, is that what you guys call it? <laughs> You're getting a little rowdy, rowdy, eh? <laughs> uh, Honey, put on the leotard. Uh, play copycat. <laughs> Uh, the best part of that video too is at the beginning it's Vince McMahon in a tuxedo in a in like a TV studio telling you how great what a great production of wrestling it was and he's got this cheap tux on it's fantastic back when the production values weren't quite as slick and before he was on steroids right like <laughs> yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> oh Mr. Wonderful the good old days oh, of wrestling <laughs> Oh, and uh, we have uh, something a little bit outside of the realm of sports, but we got to talk about it. Did you see a Dutch chef has created the world's most expensive hamburger? It includes beluga caviar, king crab, white truffle, English cheddar cheese, just to name a few of the ingredients, and it's worth 5,000 euros. That's almost $7,400 Canadian. Wow. Would you guys eat this burger? <laughs> and what's the most you would pay for a man, burger? man. I'd buy it when it's Manny's night out. But... <laughs> Would you eat that? Um, I don't think I've ever had caviar. I've never had caviar. King crab would be excellent. Yes. The truffle, I'm sure, would be good. English cheddar cheese, outstanding. Uh, the bun is made of a certain gold something or other, I think. Um, I would probably eat it, but I sure as hell I ain't paying for it. There's no way I'm paying for no it. No way. If somebody else is paying. I don't even know if I, if I was a millionaire, I don't yeah. even know if I would pay for it. That would be one of your ridiculous things that you can say you bought because you're a millionaire? No, I would not do that. Like, are you trying to tell me I'm paying $7,400 Canadian for a burger? No. I don't know. I'd I'd find better ways to spend my Rashad's money. Shots over way. there. He's got the scale out, making sure that it's weighted correctly and all of that. <laughs> so it's embarrassing. What's <laughs> the most I would pay for a burger? You said, yeah. yeah. So I'm a huge fan of Gordon Ramsay. Okay, I think Gordon Ramsay is one of the coolest people out there. Do you like him because he screams at everybody, or because he's a good chef? <laughs> I like the whole thing. Okay, like the, the whole I'm, presentation. The whole presentation. <laughs> okay. And I'm the same way with Simon Cowell. Okay. I, I like the whole presentation. Okay. I've, I've watched. I, I never watched the the cooking shows, like the Top Chef or whatever. Right. But like the Hotel Hell, um, you know, the other shows that he's done, the 24 Hours to Save the Restaurant or whatever. Like I love those shows, and and I love that he plays that part. And I've always liked Simon Cowell. How he used to play that part in American Idol. But you can genuinely tell in interviews and different things that they're they're good, decent human beings. He, I think he's an outstanding chef. I enjoy watching his videos. So I would, I do want to do a like a burger at Gordon Ramsay Burger Bar Burger. And at that point, I won't even look at the price. But. I'll probably look if it's a little more than like 50 bucks. But so 50 bucks is your limit. Probably. Eh? Uh, unless you're going to blow me away with something. Probably. 
Yeah, I don't think I'd pay more than 50. How about you, John? Yeah, I'm the same way. The most expensive burger I bought in a long time ended up being at uh, Triple O's in Mississauga. And uh, for my wife and I together, that ended up coming to about 45, actually. And that was uh, that was plenty for me for a burger. What's the most obscure thing you've eaten? Oh, like I'm just thinking about the ingredients you mentioned, like beluga caviar. I've had shark before. Okay, was that good? Yeah, it was. It was. um, It tasted like fish, but it had the texture of pork, which is kind of interesting. Okay. See, I've had alligator before. Okay. And that was okay. I had octopus before. Mm -hmm. It was okay. (laughs) I was. I'm such a straight white guy when it comes to food like really? ketchup is a spice and like, I, I don't <laughs> I don't try very much outside the the norm like so I will I will not go to a restaurant and try something I like the favorites I like the things that I know everything's in it I know I'm gonna like it if I'm paying money I'm not I'm not going outside the box and then I'm definitely not cooking it myself so I have not tried very much at all. I just tried mussels for the first time, like last What'd you year. Think? What'd you think? I liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like calamari. I've been in a calamari kick for the last couple of years, but that would have been the first time I ever tried that. So I don't, I don't stray too far from the norm. Have you had sushi, Matt? No, I've never had sushi. Okay. Yeah. Sushi's good. I like sushi. Yeah, so do I. I enjoy sushi. What about escargot for either of you? No, I've tried it. I liked it. Yeah, I tried it and liked it. I, it was mostly lemon butter when I had it. It was lemon butter and spices, so you couldn't. Even yeah, you, you def you definitely have to. It has to be seasoned, right? A hundred percent. So, John, we figured it out. When you come down and we go to the restaurant, and you're yelling at the waitress and <laughs> <laughs> and really cheaping out on the tip. Uh huh. We're going to the most obscure restaurant and just watch oh. Matt try new foods. Oh. That is I'm, a great uh, idea. I'm sick that day, boys. And we're going to be recording it on video and posting it on our social media accounts and see what what's, kind of reaction. Well, what's the one thing you'd never eat? Ooh. Like account like excluding anything live. Let's let's just put that right. Away. Like I, yeah, I'm like, not challenging you to eat a, a friggin' goldfish or anything right, like that here. Right. Like uh, I'm not going on Fear Factor or trying. Anything no, like no, that, nobody's right? eating so, like live spiders. Okay. I don't know. I'm. But you'd be open. There's like I'd be open to okay. anything really. Okay. You're you try internal, it once. I don't know why, but internal organs gross me out. Like any kind of a liver or uh, those types of things. They actually feed people other people's livers? <laughs> like, when you think internal organs, that's what I'm thinking of. Like, Are you, are, are you talking are you, like the liver from a cow or something like yeah, that? Like, yeah, or like, a, uh, like a cow harvesting and... things in your house right now? Are you harvesting organs to okay. eat? Okay, like a cow's tongue. You wouldn't eat a cow's tongue. Yeah, no, I wouldn't count okay. that as an internal organ. That's yeah, fair. I wouldn't eat okay. that either. I or, wouldn't eat that either. There's yeah. no or any kind of a brain. Yeah, I'm uh-huh. not. I'm not doing that either. Uh-huh. I'm not doing uh-huh. that either. Uh-huh. Okay, we figured out something that I'm not going to eat. <laughs> brain. All right, so we got that figured out. So it's taken us a few minutes, Hannibal, but we finally yeah. got to something. So I'm Hannibal Lecter, not a fan of the show. <laughs> Oh, we figured it out. I'm looking forward to the next meal with the boys, though. Oh, my goodness. Get down here, Rashad. 
Oh, definitely. Oh, we got to go to Pizza Popolis. That's where we got to go. Oh, yes, yes sir. Open yes, that sir. I'll try one of those. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, because we have so many of these in our inbox, we have another request for Pump It or Dump It. Uh, Mason wanted to know if we wanted to pump or dump. Do you guys remember Juvenile, the rapper? Yes. Oh, yeah. Of yeah, course. yeah. Yeah. Back that thing up. Yeah, great yeah. song. I like yeah. that song. Yeah. <laughs> so he's trying to encourage vaccinations. So I introduce to you Vax That Thing Up. Girl, you look good. Want you vax that thing up? Use a handsome young brother. Want you vax that thing up? They in real life. You need to vax that thing up. Feeling freaky all night. You need to vax that thing up. Oh my God, that's the best. <laughs> I'm pumping that all day long. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Why isn't that just playing on loop in every clinic in North America? <laughs> that's great. Pump me with the vax. Oh, that's right. Music with a message right there. That's a great, great song. That is. He should only be writing the, any campaign. He's now a campaign artist. And it should just be done to that song. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Need a haircut? Yeah. <laughs> Girl, you look good when you vote for Bill 116. There's <laughs> so a lot of forest fires out west right now. Let's try and prevent those. Back the water truck up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, man. And that does it for Rapid Fire on this edition of the OT. <laughs> Make sure you follow us on social media for future considerations on Facebook. Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram. Outstanding content and video messages for you. And don't forget to email us with show suggestions or guests and topic ideas at forfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. We want to thank our sponsor on the podcast, Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics in Windsor, specializing in sport training and canceling at the last minute. Where is he? I don't, he was supposed to be here. <laughs> we also want to thank Christina and Dennis at London Awnings. Quality that shows. He was booked for like five minutes and then canceled. He was. And uh, by the way, uh, we, uh, we we our sponsors reached out to us, not Shane, because he's... Yeah, yeah. supposed to come and doesn't show up but Christina and Dennis let us know that they appreciate all the calls especially from Windsor even though they don't service good. the Windsor area good good they do they do service the London area so our London listeners we thank you for calling them as well mm -hmm. and being a customer of theirs uh, and maybe they'll expand to the Windsor area. I think this is the sign. <laughs> they were getting calls from Orangeville the other day, too. So we appreciate all the listeners listening wherever you are and reaching out to our sponsors. I heard they had the biggest June in London awnings history. <laughs> yes. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> they did. <laughs> so make sure you go back and enjoy some of the previous episodes and guests as well. As we mentioned earlier, great discussions with Mike Fuda, Brock Otten, Terry, uh, Tony Ferrari as well, uh, previewing the NHL draft. And we're going to be doing that next week also. That's right. We're going to be talking about it. We'll do our own mock draft and we'll also be joined by some special guests from ho HockeyProspect.com. That's great. So looking forward to that. Stay tuned for that. For now, enjoy the weekend, everyone. And thanks for listening to For Future Considerations. God bless Uncle Joe. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their M.O. for the last three years. 
Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.